There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States, meaning that at least one out of every 1,000 American adults serves in an elected position. But despite the fact that there are more women than men in this country, only about 20 to 25% of all elected positions are held by women. It's not because we don't get elected as often. Is it that women are less likely to be encouraged by their parents, teachers, and community to run? Or maybe it's that we don't think we're qualified enough or prepared enough to run. But I think a big reason is that we just don't know what it's really like to run for elected office. And that is the point of this podcast. Elected, where I'll share with you week by week what it's like as a woman to run for elected office in the United States of America. Okay, so week three. <laughs> and it's it's been a week. It's been a week. That's saying it lightly. Yeah, it is. So for anyone listening, to put this in some context, uh, this is the week where we've had Super Tuesday and Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the race. Sad. Very sad. We're in mourning. We are. You know, it it is sad. And I think it's it, I mean. It's sad for Warren supporters, but I also think it's sad for women in general because, you know, a lot of the women I've talked to have said this feels like all hope is lost. You know, it's Mm -hmm. we now know we're not going to have a female president for at least four years. And and frankly, I think a lot of the people I talk to think that it's going to be a lot longer than four years Mm -hmm. because this feels like a setback. And I've heard a lot of people compare it to 2016 and the loss that they felt and and sort of that punch in the gut. So so it's been a really tough week. It has. And I think for a lot of people, she said it in a couple interviews that she's done since, that she is upset that she was the only one, the only woman left in there, and now there's no one. Now we have to pick from two men, two white men in their 70s, which the yeah. the most diverse field that we've ever had, and it comes yeah. down to a a very stereotypical thing that we've seen before over and over again. So it is disappointing. Yeah, it it absolutely is. And I mean, I think, you know, for what it's worth, for anyone who's listening who might be a Biden or Bernie supporter, this really has nothing to do with them. I mean, this Mm -hmm. isn't about – I think everyone – you know, who made it to the the near end is incredibly qualified. So Mm -hmm. I think that is really actually part of the frustration is that we – at least, I mean – for my entire lifetime, this feels, I mean, it certainly is the biggest pool of candidates. So it was the most incredibly qualified group of people to choose from. Mm-hmm. And it is frustrating to look and see that at the end of this this race, there are no women on the stage. There are no people of color on the stage. There are no, um, you know, there's no one representing the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's it's just really frustrating. And we should put an asterisk next to there's no female candidates left. Yes, sorry. Tulsi. Tulsi. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tulsi. I just well, she's not on the debate stage though. She doesn't qualify for the debate. So And and, and you're you're one hundred percent correct because one of one of our criticisms through a lot of this has been that women that not all of the women are being talked about in conversations. But I will say what's a little confusing about her is I'm not even, is she still in it? I mean, yes. I, I guess she has not officially 
dropped out, but I don't even see her talking about like I don't even see events for her, and maybe that's maybe that's because of the problem we're talking about. It. <laughs> I mean, if she was if she was smart, she would make a T-shirt with like something about I'm all still of here. The, I'm all counting her out. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Well, and so it's it's appropriate, I think, that this is what's been going on this week and that this is what we're talking about because um, we have received our very first listener question, which is exciting. So for anyone listening, if you have questions for us, you can go to electedpodcast.com and right there on the homepage, you can submit a question and we will read um, some of the questions in upcoming episodes. But we have our first one. And I thought this was such a great question because it's something that we're, we're I don't want to say struggling with, but mm-hmm. we're thinking um, about quite a bit on my own campaign. And, um, you know, and I'm running for state Senate, so it's not a national campaign like Warren's was by any means, but it's still... Um, you know, it's still big enough where I think, you know, because I think when you're running local campaigns, I don't want to say there's no sexism, no sexism at the local level. Mm. That's not true at all. But I think when you're running a very local campaign, you have the opportunity. People probably know you. You have the opportunity to get out there, talk to everybody. The minute you move to that next level where you can't talk to everyone, then I think it becomes a lot easier for people to generalize about you and make assumptions. And mm. I think that's where sexism really becomes rampant. Um, is is when people just don't have the chance to get to know you. So this question from Cassandra is, how do you frame your messaging to balance the fact that you're a woman? Uh, and so she says, we have to prove ourselves differently than men. And that's a marketing technique to master in a campaign. Uh, and I think she's absolutely right. You know, yeah. it, and I obviously love your thoughts on this too, but for me, some of the things that are unique to me as a woman are both strengths and reasons why I'm different than my opponent, uh, like being a mom, for Mm -hmm. example, but are also things that I think we have to be really careful about how we talk about them because they make it very clear that I am a woman. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is acceptable for everyone, especially at this level. Yeah, and I think because a lot of it is – because framing and messaging and all that, it it's determining kind of how you want to to not value yourself, rep- rep- represent yourself. If you want to kind of um, fully value the fact that that you're a woman, then that's obviously incredible. Um, if that's not the thing you want to focus on, then that's okay too. Um, but there definitely are strengths and and weaknesses that go along with it, especially in you know, you can, you'll face it in every industry, but in politics, it's ex- exceptionally public, um, which is, which is tricky. Yeah, it it is tricky. And, you know, I think, I think it's interesting. You hit on this a little bit, but what gives me my perspectives and my experiences is the fact that I'm a woman among many other things. And so I can't completely divorce myself from being a woman. But at the same time, you don't, I I feel like it's a challenge to go out there. And I mean, we've talked a little bit on the campaign trail about the fact that I would be the first woman to hold this seat. And that Mm -hmm. matters for some people. Um, You know, I got a donation from someone because that resonated for her. But I think a a lot of people also feel like, well, I'm not going to vote for you just because you're a woman, you Mm -hmm. know? And, And it's that, so it's like, you don't want to come off as 
somehow implying that the reason you should get in is because you're a woman mm -hmm. and there are, you know we're lacking women in this field and so i think the you know what cassandra wrote in her question is that we have to prove ourselves differently but i actually think i would say we have to prove ourselves more exactly you know because you know in like if a if a man is talking about um you know we'll all fight for school funding because i'm a parent and i'm you know i'm a dad and i understand this or whatever i don't feel like anyone looks at that and and thinks about oh well he's a guy mm -hmm. but if i go out there and i talk about how i'll fight for school funding because i'm a mom then i feel like it this dynamic of well now she's talking about being a woman and you know all of a sudden it sort of identifies me as a woman and it it changes the conversation a bit. And so I think we have to prove ourselves doubly mm -hmm. in many cases, but I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, kind of bringing it back to Warren, I think she's easily the most overqualified person in the entire field. She checked all the boxes. She did field, she fundraised like crazy. She, on paper, looked like a president. And yeah. I don't think people care not that people mm -hmm. didn't care it's just that she got overlooked especially in the media and i know we were talking about that a lot about the coverage that she got because compared to biden and bernie and even other candidates i, f I feel like sometimes like andrew yang got coverage and we're all just like what well, everyone's counting her out and i think she didn't prove herself in ways that maybe yeah. some of the men did well, and I think I think she unapologetically had a women-centric message. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, she had the the um, pinky swears with little girls, and mm -hmm. she talked about, you know, I'm running for president because that's what girls do, and that's why her biggest base are women. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, you know. There's, I, I think I shared this with you. There was a guy. I was talking to, and he said he had gone to a Warren event and he felt very excluded because he said, you know, the whole time she was just talking to the women in the room. And I don't remember exactly what I said to him, but I think my response was probably something along the lines of, well, forever up until recently, that's how we feel when we're in the room is that the person is not speaking to us uh, because nobody has been acknowledging women. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm not, it's not that I'm unsympathetic to sort of his feeling of, of being left out, but I, I almost really feel like that message wasn't about you. Mm -hmm. But to Cassandra's question, um, you know, clearly that message, while it brought her in, you know, tons of votes from women, I mean, her worst group are I think are men. Mm -hmm. And um you know, I think that's a challenge in any of our races is how do we be proud of our our womanhood and how do we be proud of what we stand for and what us what us winning will mean without having it hurt us and work against us. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to the, the Warren point, but it is a good point, is that she was unapologetically, like, very smart. And her whole mm -hmm. thing was, I have a plan for that. I have policies. I have well-written agendas that can work and will work. But when it came to other groups that 
didn't value that as much. She had to dumb, dumb herself down and say, okay, well, the basis of this is blank. But I just think, don't dumb yourself down. Like, I just hate right. that point. Just be just because to to reach other people, you had to change the message a little bit, which you do, um, which we've found in in our race. It's you're not going to use one message for your to reach everyone and for your entire campaign. You have to kind of evolve along with it, which I think she didn't do and she unapologetically didn't do it. And I respect the hell out of it. Same. And for what it's worth, I think for the progress of women, that's absolutely the right choice. Because even though she lost the election, you know, I think she's, I think some of the reason, and I want to make it clear, I'm not blaming women. This Mm -hmm. is not like a, we've done something wrong, but I, I, I think that perhaps some of the reason why we haven't made as much progress as we wish we had is because too often we're finding ourselves having to make this choice between being unapologetic and and bold about who we are and muddling the message to get the job or get the promotion or win the race or um you know whatever it may be and i think you know we might we we probably would lose a lot more often but maybe we would advance the conversation more i don't know i mean i think that's I think that's really the open question. But when it comes to this race, you know, even the last few weeks, I think I've sometimes almost felt paralyzed by this question of, well, how do we craft the message so that it's both authentic to who I am, but also, uh, you know, something that is likable to people. And I think what I've decided is that's just really hard and I don't want to do it. (laughs) You know, and I think if we we learned anything from Senator Warren's campaign, it is to be unapologetic about who you are and to own who you are. And that doesn't mean making every conversation about being a woman, but it, it also means to not remove that aspect of the conversation when it is relevant and important. Yeah, and I think especially in in crafting and crafting messaging and, and framing and all that. I think if, if you choose to definitely make one of your main points about being a woman, when it comes to connecting with, with men or with anyone else, making them understand that's that that is something that you value. Mm. And I think especially when it comes to, to messaging, we've talked about this a lot, is if you're the one portraying your values, I think people are going to connect with that. Yeah. Even if they might not agree with it, they can respect it. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And I think the number of times we've heard um, people not necessarily agree, but it, it seems like people at least appreciate it when you talk to them or talk with them about these things. And I think we don't see that enough from our politicians. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what was so great about Senator Warren and some of the other candidates too. She wasn't alone in this, is that she she did have those tough conversations. I mean, she owned what she believed. And I think, you know, I, I respect the hell out of her for it. And I think a lot of other people did too, but it also turned off a lot of people. And at the end of the day, I just don't think she cares. And I don't think that women should either. And I know that that's really hard Mm -hmm. because it means that the race is harder in some ways. But I also think if you get stuck in 
constantly trying to, like you said, like dumb down who you are and your message. I just, I think that's really hard too. You just don't realize it as quickly because I think it sort of slowly chips away at your strength. Yeah. And especially like building messaging, be, be yourself. And if people don't like it, they don't like it. Well, that's, I mean, at the end of the day, I am who I am. And even if you fake it for a little bit, I think it's impossible to fake it forever. So I'd rather people know who I am and, and know what they're getting than try to sell them a bill of goods that I can't deliver on. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I just don't think that's how we advance the conversation um, about women and about needing more diversity in, you know, in, in our, in our representatives. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, especially having people run for office and things like that, I think it definitely helps to have men who are allies in the situation, um, use their voices as well to lift up women who do don't currently have voices, but have the potential to, to be forces. Well, or who don't have the platform to use their voices, I would say. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think another sort of thing I would mention, it is really like you're going to the things you're going to hear, the things people Mm. are going to say to you are horrifying. And sometimes they're so subtle that I think we've been so well trained as women Mm. that we are going to let those subtle things sink into our minds. Um, but I think we need to look for that. And I think we need to, you know, like I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, as I've decided to run who have said, uh, you know, well, I, I really wish you had ran for board of selectmen or, mm-hmm. um, you know, are you sure you don't want to do that instead? And this is not to say that everyone who asked me is being sexist. That's by no means what I'm implying. Um, I think, you know, there are some people in my town who just like me and think I would be good in that role and are a little sad that I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, um, but I think it it's, there is that sense of, oh, silly girl, like you've, you've decided to run for office and you start with state Senate. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that I have two master's degrees and I own two businesses and, um, you know, I sit on the advisory committee and I, I've done all of the, I've sat on nonprofit boards before, you know, none of that seems to matter in the minds of some people. And so I think just recognizing that that's going to happen, you're going to get comments that subtly cut away at who you are and and how qualified you are and just remembering that you bring a lot to the table. And and it and it doesn't if you don't have college degrees or have sat on boards or anything like that, that doesn't mean you don't bring a lot to the table. It's, you know, you have your unique experiences and perspectives and those are really valuable. And if you're thinking about running, it's presumably because you really care. And I think that that's actually more important than experience. Yeah. And I think like kind of going back to the question, it's having responses to those kind of comments. Yes. And I think when you're kind of planning, like messaging, framing, things like that, thinking of those things so you're prepared. Yeah. Especially if if women are caught off guard on the campaign trail, people will either disqualify you or they mm-hmm. will care a little bit less, which is yeah. so incredibly painful to watch. Well, and, and they will, there are people who will intentionally work to dismantle you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about the guy at the grocery store who I 
admittedly, I handled that situation very horribly. This was a guy who got in my face and got in my space and kept badgering me with questions. And it did not matter what I said. He did not like my answer. And, you know, then walked away and yelled, you better learn how to answer questions. And I just, you know, it's, and I, and I could have handled that situation better. I let him fluster me. Um, but part of it was because I was trying to actually answer his questions. And so I think a part of it too is recognizing that there are going to be some conversations where you participating in the conversation is actually not going to be beneficial for anyone, especially you. And you need to know, to your point, you need to know how you're going to get yourself out of that situation quickly before it escalates and just sort of accepting. And this is very frustrating for women because we're helpers and we want to fix things and we want to, um, you know, I think live up to the values that we believe in. It, it, but it's going to be, you've got to accept that there are just going to be some conversations where you are not going to be able to answer their questions because it's not about you answering their questions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's it's frustrating too mm-hmm. because you're like, I, I want to, like, I want to answer this question and I want, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's an inherent, like, woman, like, female thing to say, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. So I feel like training yourself to do that and just say, hey, I don't know, or yeah. I can't answer your question right now, but here's, like, contact information, like, I'll get back to you. Yes. And I think a lot of, sometimes people don't like it, but. No. And that's the thing is there are always going to be people who don't like what you say and what you Mm -hmm. do. And so I think when you think about your messaging, um, again, to get back to the question, I would say, and some political person is going to listen to this and say, no, that's totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Why are you telling people that? But as someone who does sort of marketing, I suppose, um, I would say craft your message to be authentic to who you are and to the people that you really want to reach. I mean, this is the hard truth of running for office is that there are going to be people who vote who will never get on your side, no matter what you do. And yes, you need to represent them well, and you need to you know, make sure that, that their perspectives and needs are, are heard and are understood by your office because you do ultimately represent them. But at the end of the day, you are never going to convince them to vote for you. And so when you're running, I think you really have to think about who am I speaking to? Mm-hmm. You know, who is my message meant for? And how can I deliver the most authentic message to me, authentic to me, that also is addressing what that person needs to hear from me, what they need to know about me? Yeah. And especially with, like, you're going to get the at-bats too. Like, the reps mm. are, you're going to talk to, on the campaign trail, like, hundreds of people a day at some points. I wouldn't, at first, you can kind of focus more on it, but I think, like, once you get into the hang of things and you have, like, more of those, like, repetitions and practices, you're going to yeah. be a lot more comfortable with it. And I think you're going to end up crafting a better message. I like that. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Okay, so to wrap it up, given that this was a really, really tough week, yeah, let's talk really quickly about self care. God, <laughs> I'm the worst with this. I know we had a lot of cupcakes this week. Yeah, we actually had a lot of chocolate in general. 
which was probably not, I think some of that was okay. Some of it might've been overkill. <laughs> Our coping mechanisms probably weren't the best. <laughs> no, they weren't the best, but I think I'm going to give you, I'll go first. So mm -hmm. you have a little time to think about this okay. since I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this question, <laughs> but I guess maybe if we can each suggest one or two things that we found helpful to cope that um, might be beneficial for other people. So for me, I would say the number one biggest thing is being able to talk about it. And, you know, I'm lucky that I have you and I've got a group of friends who are, you know, in politics who understand this stuff. And, and actually this happened a couple of weeks ago where I was having a tough week with our campaign and, um, you know, which of course, you know, about, we mm -hmm. talked about, and I, and I went to them or I went to one of them and I said, I just need to vent for a little bit. <laughs> and so that would be my, my one tip is just trying to find um, an outlet where, you know, you can do that. And if you don't feel like you have the support system in your community, um, you know, possibly looking online. I'm part of um, a fabulous group called Run for Our Lives, which was started by a woman here um, in Boston who has run for office. And, you know, she started it after the 2016 election. And it's an incredible, um, incredibly supportive group. And even though it's a group about women running for office this week with with Warren, it very much became a Warren sort of support group for, you know, and again, it's not about Warren. There are plenty of people in the group or in general who are devastated, even if she wasn't their candidate. And so I think that's, you know, but that would be my piece of advice would be to find, find a support group. Yeah. I think for me, it's kind of getting out of the politics realm at all. Because mm. I'm not like, I'm not like a huge talker. So I think, like, for me, like, you definitely have to, like, adjust based on your personality type. But I'm, like, a super low-maintenance person. So I think just kind of, like, getting away from yeah. anyone who knows anything about your job at all, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only person in my friend group who, at home at least, um, who is involved in this at all. And I feel like a lot oh, of my friends... I kind of give, I like tell them who to vote for and I'm like, I get, I'm their source of information. Yeah. Yep. So I think just like kind of saying like, Hey, I don't want to talk about this at all today. And like kind of it. doing something else. No, that's good. I think that's really good. You, we, we showed the yin and the yang of, yeah. of personality. So I love it. All right. Well, that is it for week three. Again, if you want to submit a question or check us out, head to electedpodcast.com and definitely go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review. Um, and otherwise, we'll be back here next week. Keep running. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Elected, the podcast. There's work to be done, and we need you to be a part of getting more women to stand up, run, and serve in elected office. To learn more, visit electedpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear new episodes as they are released. Until next time, keep running.